podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Mark. All right, guys. Um, this is the part of the episode we like ask. Oh gosh, I'm screwing this up. This is this is. I feel like I'm going back to this whole thing. Okay, I'm going to take this. <laughs> you just do it. Just- we just need you to rate and a review. Now, if you have an iPhone, you can do that. On iTunes, if you don't have it, you have an Android, you can't. But we want you to share it on like Facebook. Uh, let people know about it. What we're trying to do is, if if you think it's useful, then share it and encourage others to listen to it. Perfect. Fair enough. Good. Not hard. Well, and, and on Instagram. Do some on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Our Instagram's I'm pretty... I'm not uh, on Instagram. Yes, you are. Well, I you am just only so I can watch Nature is Metal. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I don't know what metal means. But I'm like cons- metal music. Like well, it's like, I, yeah, but I don't listen to that. No, so, it's like it's like a term for like if something's hardcore. Yeah, or hard- like hardcore. Yeah, well, like this is cool. always of like penguins getting crushed by a walrus and then devoured by a seagull. <laughs> Wait, what, what? What was that? Uh, what was that bird? <coughs> penguins. Penguins. Pe- <laughs> penguins. Penguins. Plural. No, no, that's, not the, that's not the issue. Penguino. <laughs> Is it is it is it penguins or penguins? <laughs> well, where I'm from, it's penguins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. Well, can we get into the podcast? Sure. Okay. So so we're gonna do one. This this kind of came out of just a. Uh, kind my, of, or it actually did. <laughs> sort of, uh, we'll, kind of. We'll see if we finish it because then it is just a kind of. But um, <laughs> something I've been observing uh, in the church, our church, that's been encouraging to me actually, uh, that I want to keep encouraging, and so. That's what this came out of. And so I've entitled it Biblical Friendship and just talk about the idea of what is a true friend as opposed to maybe what our culture has defined as, as friendship. And so just by way of introduction, um, you know, the Bible uses a lot of words and ideas to describe the relationship between Christians. So we'll see, for instance, brothers and sisters, uh, fathers and sons, mothers, daughters, um, you even have babes. Uh, young men, elders, so on and so forth. And and so for the most part, they're always familial terms, uh, terms re- regarding a family. Uh, and they speak of intimacy, they speak of care. Um, and they're, they're helpful terms. Our eyes kind of pass over them, but I think they're informative for how we should think about ourselves with regard to other Christians. Um, and particularly with those um, with whom God has placed us with within the context of our local churches. And so depending on who you're talking to within your local church, you're going to take on a different familial role or category with respect to them. Um, so, so example, when, when you're talking to somebody your own age, uh, you're going to be talking very differently um, with them than the way you might speak with an older man or a younger man or older woman or younger women. Um, so to one, you're going to relate as a brother, right? Another, you'll, you'll relate maybe as a son. Another, you'll relate as a father. Um, so on and so forth. And there's a spiritual aspect to that. Um, but of course, age comes into play with that, right? Right. Um, so, so no matter how spiritually mature you are, uh, you would be very unwise to speak to an older woman yeah. as a daughter. I mean, that, 
that's just not going to work. Uh, you'd be unwise to rebuke her, right, mm -hmm. or, or, or harshly correct her, even though technically you might be to her a sort of mother in the faith within the context of your church. You're just further along in the faith. Um, sure. Maybe they just came to Christ or something. Um, but there's just a design in the way that God created uh, people um, that that's just not going to work. And so typically an older person's only going to respond to a younger person, um, but usually only when they approach them with honor and respect, right? No older person's going to listen to a, a young person who comes at them like you would a child, right? Yeah. That just doesn't make sense. In fact, this is why Paul commands Timothy, who's a younger pastor, even though he's an elder, um, to never sharply rebuke an older man, even though in Paul or Timothy's mind, he might want to or yeah. think he needs to um, because they're being a pain. I think a lot of young pastors would, if they would just own that, they would save themselves a lot of heartache when they're talking yeah. to, they come into a church maybe that's dying and it's filled with older people. Um, these, these are not men or women who hate Christ or hate to see converts. It's just stuff has happened. And then he comes in, he's full of ideas and he's right, just right. kind of running roughshod rather than treating him with that tremendous honor. Yeah. And yes. again, in our, our culture though, we, we yearn after youth, youth. Mm -hmm. and we don't mm -hmm. honor the gray hair. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's one of the things I've enjoyed in Africa. Um, mm. I remember in, in a, uh, I was in a little bush village church in Cameroon and there was a Sunday school conference kind of thing going on and the children in Cameroon are not well cared for in the church and this uh, young woman that we support as a missionary um, was beginning to try to effect some change and so she had all these people in and she was talking about how to how to shepherd the children in the church and this old guy comes kind of wandering in and the, no Nobody called him by his name. In fact, many of them didn't know his name. They just called him Pa. But what was very Aww. interesting was that was what everyone would call an older man, yeah. just Pa. And then, but how kind they were. I mean, from the youngest child to a full-grown adult, they were just so respectful of him yeah. because he was an older man. And I, I was just... I, the content of what the lady was sharing was great, but I was actually moved by right. how the entire... Uh, room looked with honor to this man, and he was he was literally not a an important person yeah. in 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 any way. But he was an older man, therefore worthy of respect. I, yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Which is why I I do love when I see older people acting as older people as well. Yeah. That, because we are in a culture that glorifies youth, and right. so they try to be younger. They try to dress younger. They try yeah. to adopt the speech of the younger, and it's like, boy, if you could just be that model, those younger people would not be what they are mm -hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. in many ways. So. Well, and I had that privilege of going to speak to, um, in Denver, I went to and visited our, the church my father helped start, and Alexander Strock was a pastor or older there, and so we had di dinner with him, and I was recounting to him how when I spoke to him once on the phone when I was in seminary just for some background material, how he cared for me um, and he spoke um, so so concerned for my soul and once again there at the dinner table I was struck by here's what I want to look like in my 70s right. um, and I remember hanging up at the phone when I was in my 30s in seminary saying that's what I want to be I want to be that kind of yeah. an elder that 
Uh, I can joke with you. I can do all this stuff, but there's a point where I can look and and be seen as that older man that that cares for your soul. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, older older men and women don't understand if <clears throat> if they would have that vision uh, of when they're younger to become that kind of man or woman that commands that respect and and that younger people want to be around rather than they're just grumpy old guys who are unapproachable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's for another podcast too. Sure. Yeah, so that to say though, there's a right way to speak, right? So so Paul tells Timothy in chapter five of 1 Timothy, he says, do not sharply rebuke an older man. Now that's not to say he shouldn't rebuke him, right? It's just don't sharply rebuke him, but rather appeal to him as a father, uh, to younger men as brothers, to older women, appeal to them as mothers and younger women as sisters. And so there's a right way to speak and a, and a right way to act as a younger person, though you may be further along spiritually, Yeah. right? Um, but on the other hand, to the older, uh, younger people are going to gain your respect, even though- You're worthy you're of respect worthy of it. because you're older. Right. Um, but the way that you, in a relationship sense, gain that is when you speak to them with respect. But I think because it communicates love and care, um, right? If you're just, I need to fix you, so yeah. you need to shut yeah. up and just listen to me. It, it, you know, it's going to be a little more difficult yeah. for them to want to hear your voice. Um, having said that, sometimes younger people do need to be corrected with a stronger word. I would say, um, you know, they're not disciplined, they're not yet harnessed, and so it takes a stronger pull of the reins at times. Uh, furthermore, by the way, nowhere does Paul command an older person not too harshly rebuke a younger person. Right. Um, There's a time and a place for that. That's not popular, Yeah. but there really is a time. In fact, he does speak. Again, we won't get into it, but he actually talks about harshly rebuking individuals who are bringing in errant doctrine and stuff. Right, right. And sometimes a young guy is so full, you know, he, he grabbed a book and he's reading and he's so excited and he's promulgating something that's actually not healthy. Help, help, helpful, and that older right. person, that elder, that pastor is supposed to come in, and this is not something to be dealt with casually. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, and it, it's, it's my frustration in, in church planning too um, that the young guys got it figured out as if there's nothing to learn from right. the older generation, you know. Um, but it should be done with love and care, you know, especially if they're not your physical son or your physical daughter. Um, to just blast them, you're probably not going to get super far. Um, but all I have to say, there's a lot of ways in which the Bible identifies relationships between Christians and, and they're very helpful terms, uh, again, in, in terms of thinking about the nature of Christian relationships. Uh, for the most part, they're familial. Again, they use the language of family, father, mother, brother, sister, things like that. And they do help us think about how uh, we might be relating to any given person within our local church. Um, you know, the people you're in the church with are not just people. It, that's worth... Let, let me just interject there. Um, your family, you, it's amazing what you put up with with family. Yeah. yeah. Right? I, I, I mean, you want to see something crazy, see me with my brothers and sisters. Uh, th that's not a good thing necessarily. We're just kind of, we're Henry's. We're all very strong personalities. Um, but you know what? I love my sisters. I love my brothers and they love me. Mm -hmm. and, and we do. We tolerate each other. There's a lot of things that we choose to show care and overlook weaknesses yeah. because that's my sister and I love her and yeah. so I'm going to do it. Man, if only we could learn to do that with our brothers yeah. and sisters yeah. in the church where it's like, you know, 
boy, she's hard. She's mm-hmm. a difficult woman to be around, but she's my sister in Christ. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to be patient with her because she's always going to be my sister. In fact, if you have an unbelieving physical family, these are your true sisters yeah. and brothers and yeah. mothers and fathers. So, right. um, yeah, you're right. They're never just people. Yeah. And, and so it's typically the untaught or a better term probably is an immature person who just looks at people within their own local church as simply a person or just this generic attender of the same church, right? And so, so you would do well to train your eyes to see everyone as either a mother, a daughter, a father, a son, a brother, someone that's in the family with you. Well, right? and we saw it at our house Sunday. I'll, I'll just pick on your daughter. Sure. I mean, I what, how old is she? Two uh, or three. three? Three. Yeah, she's a cute little thing. But she is a three-year-old, self-absorbed little girl, right? And I can't remember what it was that somebody gave her a sip of water or something, and, and she just walks away. And, and you're like, hey, Omi, go say thank you. And, she, and, and no one was offended. No one was offended that she was reluctant to say thank you or anything like that. She's our, my granddaughter. She's our cousin, everything. We're just putting up a little Omi because... What do you expect from a three-year-old? Yeah. But then somehow, again, in the church, you have a young believer who's all excited and tripping over themselves and making a fool of themselves, and we're like, grow up. And it's yeah, like, yeah. give them a chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Give them a chance. Be thankful that they're eager and they're excited. Now shepherd that. Be their brother, you know, rather than just, he annoys me, shut up and go away. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a lot of ways that the Bible talks about relationships within the context of, for instance, the church. But but having said that, I think one of the most intimate ways the Bible actually speaks about uh, the relationship between two people, uh, especially within the context of, of a faith community, is that of true friends. Um, it's this language of friendship. friendship. And in fact, the book of Proverbs is uh, emphatic about this. It comes out um, all over the place. And so we want to talk about... Um, just the nature of friendship, what is a true friend, what to look for in a true friend, what you should nurture uh, in, your, in, in a true friend. Um, and so while we live in a culture that defines friend as just someone that, that we might like or have fun with or has similar interests or perhaps humor, uh, the Proverbs defines friend in a very different way, um, and particularly as someone in whom we greatly trust. Uh, in fact, the dominant usage of the term in Proverbs refers to a person's close inner circle or even confidant. That, that's how it speaks about a friend. And so they're a person in whom we not only put a lot of trust in, but are actually willing to entrust with certain things. Yeah. Um, and because they're, they're a proven character and proven trust to you, uh, they're precious to you. They've, they've shown themselves to be loyal and faithful and have always had your best interest in mind, even though you may disagree or something. Right. Um, they're always by your side. They're always for you. And never against you. Um, let, let me say, though, they're always for you. If they're a true friend, they're always for you for the right reasons. Yes. Because yeah. I, I have counseled people who's, where I say, you need to break that relationship off. That, that, that's not a good friendship. And they're like, I am faithful to my friends to the point that they overlook and choose not to confront or deal with something. We're going to talk about yeah. that in a moment. But... Um, you know, friendship is not just saying, hey, you, we're friends no matter what. Yeah. A true friend actually might, I functioning as a true friend of you, I actually might find my friendship with you breaking at some point mm-hmm. because 
we, I realize you're heading in a way that I can't go with you anymore. I can't support that. I can't defend that. I can't help you. You don't, you, you won't listen or vice versa. Yeah. So, which is the opposite of what our culture says, right? You know, just be a friend, just right. support me, just love me, just care. Um, Agree what, with me. Yeah. And whatever, or be there for me. Right. Whatever that means. In not, but don't judge me. Don't. Yeah. 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 Um, so it is, it's a person who's a confidant, they're, they're loyal, they're faithful to you in a right way. Um, and so th- this goes beyond, of course, just entrusting certain pieces of, you know, secret information about yourself to another person, though it often or certainly includes that. But it even includes things like your emotions, um, confiding in them uh, about your desires or dreams and, and especially a host of very vulnerable uh, realities for you. Um, things that you wouldn't normally just share with anyone um, or perhaps things that would be unwise for you to share with, with yeah. another person. Um, and so a genuine friend is someone that you can actually lay a burden on. Um, oftentimes use them even as a sounding board, knowing that they're not going to take your words and yep. use them against you, right? And twist that and now becomes ammunition. Um, and so they're going to carry and, and actually conceal certain knowledge of you um, that the typical person doesn't get the privilege of just knowing about you. Uh, in fact, this is why the Bible at times will almost implicitly speak of, of a genuine friendship in covenantal categories. Yep. Um, so there, there's that, that very famous relationship between Jonathan and David, right? In 1 Samuel 18, 1, and three, 1 through 3, and it says this, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, uh, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Those are, that's a pretty profound statement. Yeah. Um, and very revealing about uh, this kind of relationship. Uh, he, he loved him as his own soul. Um, and then verse two, and Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. I'd, I'm curious about what that conversation looked like. <laughs> you know. Um, and then verse three, then Jonathan made a covenant with David. Why? Because he loved him as his own soul. And so it's very deep mm-hmm. and rich and something far beyond just, we like the same TV show. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Proverbs also speak, speaks of a, of, a, of a true friend as, as stronger and oftentimes better um, than even family. You, you get into these better Proverbs, it's the term tov, it's a moral idea of something that's good or whole. Um, Proverbs 17, 17 states, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So here there's, there's a greater emphasis on the friend than even the brother. Right. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty four: a man of too many friends comes to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than even a brother. Yeah. Um, and of course, that one's also speaking about um, just having a lot of associations uh, versus relationships, a few relationships that are deep. Absolutely, um, yeah. Notice there is a friend, <laughs> yeah. uh, singular, who's closer than even a brother as opposed to just many. Well, and remember that Proverbs are being written by Solomon to his sons, preparing them for their, their role uh, in ruling. Yeah. And so, you know, you're, and, and of course, Rehoboam, his son didn't listen. Right. And so he listens to his young friends mm-hmm. rather than these older men who are wiser and splits, splits the, the kingdom, kingdom yeah. and yeah. just creates all kinds of problems. But right. yeah, it's the idea that we can fool ourselves that we have a lot of people talking and telling us we're great and this and that and not realize that um, that's not necessarily the mark of a true friend. There's yeah. that one that is is truly closer than even your brother itself. So yeah, uh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, and, and, there's, and also there's, there's nothing wrong with having circles of friends, 
right? Um, where you have a tight inner, I mean, this is true with even of Jesus, right? He had the one whom he loved. Um, and then he had the three. And then inside the, outside the three, he had the 12. And then outside the 12, he had the rest. 70 of, and, yeah. and so um, on. And so there's nothing, you know, it's not like that's, there's inequality there because you're closer with somebody. Um, there's something natural about that. So with that, here's some of the qualities of, of a true um, biblical friend. Um, the first is that they're, they're not afraid to speak difficult words into your life, right? And this is incredibly rare. It's, it's very rare to find a person like this. Um, and if you do have a friend like this, you would do well to work hard at nurturing that relationship. And this is, this is part and parcel of a true biblical friend or proverbial friend, if you will. So what, what's the famous? Yeah. And, and in fact, Kim and I will quote this constantly when we have mm -hmm. people who are angry or hurt because somebody did say something hurtful to somebody else. But when we hear the person, what they said, this verse in, invariably is quoted because the question that we'll ask is, I, I, I think I agree with their assessment. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you that, but I think they were speaking truthfully to you. Is it possible that you were hurt, but in fact, what you actually had was a genuine friend or someone act as a genuine friend? Because in Proverbs 27, 5, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Yeah. And so then we go on to, why, why don't you go back and thank them? Why yeah. don't you consider how you might apply what they said? Because... As, as your pastor, I would, I would fully agree with their assessment of your situation. <laughs> yeah. um, and then they're a little shocked because, well, that's really hurtful. It's like, I'm trying to be your friend too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. So, so a true friend, as we were saying, isn't one that just supports you in whatever folly you might want to pursue. That, that's not a friend. A friend is willing to speak. A friend's willing to say a hard word. They're willing to cut you with the knife of truth, in other words. Uh, and so a true friend speaks truth at all times. Uh, and that's the mark of, of a person you should surround yourself with. Rather, notice it's the enemy here in this proverb that's described as a flatterer. Uh, th this is a person who just tells you what you want to hear, not what you might need to hear. Yeah. Um, now, that doesn't mean that the friend should just be a jerk and try and break you down for the sake of breaking you down and use the truth as a cudgel. Uh, but nevertheless, they're willing to tell you things that they know beforehand are going to sting. Right, um, and and this friendship is something that, that uh, how do I say it? Um, I'm an older man, and I so I spend more of my time befriending younger men. I'm I'm doing this off the cuff, so I'm trying to form this in a way that will make sense. So as an older man, trying to, I, I spend my time befriending younger men, and one of the things I have to remember is sometimes the younger man wants to rebuke me or correct me in a way that is not helpful. Um, we'll say it that way. And and now I have to make a choice on do I, because of his newness at this um, and, and the fact that he realizes that his relationship with me is more than just uh, a passing one that he becomes overly familiar and he, in okay, a sense, yeah. he oversteps yeah. himself. Now he's not talking to me like I'm his father, which he should be. Um, and now it's my decision, will I overlook that or will I react to it or push him away? Part of being a genuine friend also is as people are learning to wound their friend, um, sometimes 
I, I don't feel like I'm saying it well. You, you know, you and I are friends, let's say, and we're both young and we're figuring this out. So I feel like I need to wound you. Yeah. And, and I do it in, ineffectively. Um, hopefully, you, my friendship with you is such that you'll, you'll take it for what it was, right. or at least what it was intended to be, and overlook some of the inadequacies of it and stupidity of it. And, and I, in turn, will do it with you so that hopefully our friendship will grow to the point that we are both growing older in Christ and more mature in Christ, and our wounding becomes more effective right. and more, more um, proper, I guess. Am I making sense? Yeah, so bring some Bactine and a Band-Aid because yeah. you, you're, you're trying to cut them, but with a knife that's not clean. Yeah, and so it's, or, or they take the massive two-handed sword <laughs> when, you know, a, yeah. a little little scalpel would have been just what we needed there. Uh, yeah, that boil needed to be lanced, but you didn't need to amputate, dude. Well, you were, you were telling me about, um, gosh, this was probably 10 years ago, that there was a, a younger man in the church, I think that you were discipling, and who really looked up to you. And you were helping them grow, and I think they were growing at the time. And I think that familiarity started to happen and I, I think he made the statement to you, well, I've, you know, I, I view us as kind of like ironing, sharpening, okay. iron, sharpening iron. And you're like, no, no. <laughs> it's more like a blade against a sharpening tool or something. Yeah. Because uh, he wasn't, he wasn't as, far along, as far along as he perhaps thought he was. Yeah, I've, I've had, and I think I'm getting better as I get older, but yeah, there's that point where, the friendship sometimes gets where they actually start to say, well, we're equal. In mm-hmm. A friendship does not mean we're equal standards. Right. I mean, one is invariably going to be more intelligent or more wise or more gentle or more verbose, whatever it is. Right, uh, yeah. It's just the relation nature of relationships. And sometimes people get full of themselves. And I'm, I, I know I have been. Um, I, I, rem- I think I told you the time I decided I was going to correct John MacArthur. And um, I, I asked for a meeting and met with him privately in his office to clarify and rebuke him on some things. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Let's get into this. Yeah. Well, no, we won't. Uh, <laughs> I, it will suffice to say that John showed incredible kindness oh. to something. And I walked away thinking that I pretty well dealt with that well. Oh, man. And I, I, I look at it, I actually wrote him a letter and saw his forgiveness um, oh. years later. Yeah. Uh, but, he, you know, in, in, here's a man who pastors a massive church, and he doesn't remember me from Adam, but he, he left an indelible mark. And one of them yeah. was that moment where I thought I should correct him. And I didn't even know what I was talking about. And I didn't even know the struggles that he was trying to resolve, yeah. and I'm fi- focusing. But all that to say is, yeah, uh, this guy I remember now, and he thought that he was, we're just two equals, and we're just kind of sharpening each other. I'm like, dude, you haven't, sh-. I, I actually did, I, I said a little bit more than just that, because I, I told him, I said, you don't challenge me at all. Um, you're still learning. You're still growing. There's so many problems that you have to resolve, and um, no. <laughs> sure. No, you. I don't look to you to sharpen me, um, yeah. but I appreciate the friendship. <laughs> yeah. Um, By the way, that was me wounding him. Right. 
Uh, and yes. I was doing it intentionally. I was not trying to just cut him down. I just wanted yeah. him to get a grip on himself of, yeah. you need to learn to look at yourself rightly and you need to understand sometimes that relationship is, you know, an older person, a wiser person, more mature person putting up with your yeah. your your immaturity because they love you and they're committed to growing that relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah no, it does. That's good. Um. Furthermore, a true friend is willing to speak the truth to you, even full well knowing perhaps that it might actually cause you to hate them or now reject them as a friend. Yeah. Um, but, but the point of that proverb is to help us recognize that the reason that they're willing to speak the hard words of truth to you in the first place, and, and oftentimes in the form of a correction or by exposing your ways of folly, is because they're most interested in your livelihood, not your approval. Um, again, the mark of a good friend. They're, they're not interested in being liked by you, as much as they're seeking your good yeah. and they're wanting to build you up. Uh, in fact, it, he uses the language of kisses for the enemy in that proverb. So, so nobody likes a punch to the gut, <laughs> right? We prefer kisses. It just feels better in the moment. Um, but a true friend isn't interested in flattery, uh, but they're interested in your good, not, not in making you feel good. Uh, and so they're willing to speak, as we've been saying, wounding words, even though they know that it might ultimately lose you as a friend. And I've had that on occasion where I've had to go and confront a person. Mm -hmm. And I told the guy that I was going with, I said, I, I, I get the sense that right now I'm about to lose a friend. Yeah. And I went into the conversation and lost a friend. Yep. Um, but I think I was faithful to him. I spoke words of truth and he did not like me for it. And in fact, I would say to a lot of younger people who um, are listening that frankly, anyone uh, who's listening, that they should pray and be more cognizant of the fact that most of them have a pastor who's walking around very wounded yeah. uh, in the sense of, in a different sense. So, and that is that the life of being a pastor is losing friends. Yeah. Um, you're, you're the greatest preacher in the world as long as you're rebuking somebody else but right, one right, day right. the word of God comes to bear on your life and that man is the spawn of Satan right. now and so many pastors have lost friends and it's it I mean you're you've only been doing it a few years and you've already seen it just guys who don't want to talk to you people who don't want to relate to you um, because you tried to be their friend and yeah. you functioned well as their friend but it, yeah it, yeah not as as they would have liked and hopefully later on they'll appreciate that yeah you know um, God's not finished with them. Um, and hopefully later on, they'll realize, you know what? I realize now what you were doing. And I've had a few, not many, but a few come back to me years later and say, thank you. I realize what, what you were trying to do. And, yeah. and that, that, that encourages like, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's not a life destined for complete rejection, if yeah. you will. Yeah. And so one of the reasons though, that they're a worthy friend and worth having as a friend is because a person who's willing to have those kinds of conversations with you and say those things have one, tremendous integrity, but two, faithfulness. Mm -hmm. um, they're just faithful with you. Um, and so it's a wise person, I think, who works hard at surrounding themselves with these kinds of people. Um, it's really easy to shut down or shrug your shoulders when, as you, you just got to insane, when somebody tells you something that you don't like, um, it's easy to make them feel like they've got it wrong and don't understand to yeah. go immediately on the defense but it's a wise person in the mark of a good friend, I think, who can actually thank a friend in the midst of the hard words or maybe after when you're <laughs> healed, healed a little yeah. bit, yeah, uh, for being willing and also faithful to speak those words. 
um, knowing that it might have cost them something, namely your friendship. Uh, and so this kind of person or friend is incredibly rare and a gift that should be nurtured. Uh, on the flip side, though, I think a true friend knows how to overlook an offense. That's absolutely that's the other side, right? So in Proverbs nineteen eleven, it says, "A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook an offense." And so, a wise friend is is one who's going to confront patterns uh, rather than those one off offenses. Um, now. I won't even talk about the big sin right now. I mean, obviously, if you see something that's a serious sin, adultery or something like this, you're, you don't say, well, it's just a one time. You know, yeah. I, I'm a friend. But um, it is a, something that I, I do give a lot of counsel to people when they come to me and they say, Pastor, you know, I, I, I know this about so-and-so and I saw him and I, he did this and or he sa- said that and I just really bothered me. And it's like, how often does he do that? And is is that a pattern that you see? Well, no, that's what shocked me. Why don't you just overlook it? Right. Why? I mean, are, would you like me? To, in fact, I've actually done it to a few people. Would you like me to share with you all the things I see you doing wrong? And what's what's weird is I've actually had a couple of them like, well, what? Like what? I said, do you really want me? Mm. From from a pastoral perspective, to right now just share with you what I'm concerned with in your life. Just give me one. No, I was kidding. And, well, and <laughs> well, in it. And, <laughs> well, it's usually it's the, the, the usually the person who's coming in all grieved or bothered oh, by yeah. somebody. They're yeah. actually legalists in some way. And sure, I'm yeah. like, well, I know this, and I know this, and I watch you do this. I'm concerned with where you're heading with your wife. I'm concerned with your choices, with your work. I noticed that you're making these purchases. And the guy is just going down, down, down. And I said, now, have I ever spoken to you of those things? No. That's because I'm also confident that you're growing. Right. Why don't yeah. you... I, so I'm willing to give you the slack to to keep hearing and thinking and yeah. repenting and applying. But you're not willing to give this brother who's never done this before, and it shocked you, and it wasn't even a big deal, and you're not even willing to give him that. Just be a genuine friend and overlook that offense. It's Yeah, you're, you're looking at trajectory, yeah. not what they did in it, the moment. So, so a, a faithful friend to someone doesn't mean you're the sin police. Um, yeah. Right, or you're identifying everything. Right. Um, <laughs> It means that you come to them out of a care for them. You really genuinely want uh, them to grow. Um, you, you're, you're seeing a habit forming or one that's taken hold already. Um, and, and you're saying, look, I'm concerned. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's why. I'll yeah. give you some instances. Not e- and, and not even on a, even with non-sin categories. Yes. Right? In fact, that's where most true friendship comes in. The wounding is not in... It's easy. It's verse. like I caught yeah. you in a lie. Sure. Right? I mean, who's going to argue about that? But, you know, do you really want that friendship over there? Or do you really want to take that job? Knowing knowing your propensity toward this, yeah. is that wise? Or I know that you're starting to pick up this um, activity, and yet over and over again in your life, we both know that you tend toward doing too much of it. Um, yeah, and then yeah. they're like, well, what's a Bible verse? Or what's <laughs> yeah. the sinful about it? It's like, dude, it's not that. It's just... You're, uh, you're speaking into the gray areas. Yep. Which is really only a place that a friend can speak, mm-hmm. right? If, if you don't know me, you're not going to know these areas. 
yeah. to why are you speaking into them, yeah. you know? But even down to things like just everyday things, the way you speak, the way you act, the way you dress, you know, the noises that you make when you eat. I'm just, well, try, I'm just trying to yes. help you, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my pet peeve is <laughs> it's like, do, I don't need to hear your food. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's just me. That's yeah. just me. Um, that's not just you. Yeah. But, but, those, <laughs> but, but those, are, those are hindering habits. They're not overt sin that you have a Bible verse for. Um, but you're, you're pointing out a hindering habit and you're trying to just build them up. Yeah, to, maturity. Right. So th- this is Proverbs. It's, it's divinely inspired wisdom for good ways of living. And, and a good friend is going to overlook things that are not an, a big deal or, or yeah. they're the occasional issue or the fact that you're just um, learning. Um, and you're not, a, a, a true friend is not one that's trying to fix his friend. Yeah. That's not friendship. Right. Um, maybe discipling or counseling, I mean, right? I mean, and you're going to try to be their friend because they come to you for serious counseling. So now you're going to be fixing things. But those relationships where you're the guy that's always pointing out what's wrong with the other one, that's just a messed up relationship. Yeah. That's not a genuine friend. So it's a messiah complex. Right. Yeah. So on right. one side, a, a good friend is going to be wounding, but on the other side, that good friend is also going to be overlooking um, when it's wise to do so. Yeah. Uh, another one, and we're just choosing some random things here, but a true friend looks for what he can give, not merely what he can get. And that's huge. Yeah. So so what are many and everywhere are leeches, right? In fact, Ecclesiastes is ruthless on this point. Um, the, the moment that a person comes into money or fame yeah. or success, then all of a sudden these long lost cousins and friends come out of the woodwork. <laughs> um, you know, the, all, all those, you know, rags to riches stories, for right, instance. Right. I mean, how many times in sports yeah, do you totally. see some kid mm-hmm. from the hood all entourage, of a sudden make yeah. a big time? Yeah, now he's got an entourage of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, who are you? And mm-hmm. how do you know me? You know? Yeah. Um, but Proverbs fourteen twenty: the poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. Uh, so, so everyone wants to be a friend to someone that they can get things from. But what's incredibly rare is someone who sticks by your side and then seeks your good when you have nothing to offer them. In return, yeah. Indeed, when you're actually a drain on them. Yeah. Right, they're still willing to stand by your side. And why? Well, because a true friend or a biblical friend is one who first and foremost is interested not in what you can give them, but perhaps what they can offer you in their friendship. Right. Right. Um, so someone who just wants to be around you because of what they can get from you, that, that's not a friend. That's just a leech that's gonna suck you dry at some point. Um, they're not there to build you up or to care for you. Um, or even allow you to care for them in a true manner, but they just feed off you, right? So Proverbs 19, 6, many will seek the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. Um, so, so it becomes really this host-parasite relationship, not a genuine friendship, right? And, and you can, again, flip that the other way, because when you're examining, is this person a friend, or are they just trying to get stuff off of me? Um, we've had that one as pastors where people think, okay, hey, would you disciple me? And so we say, yeah, I'll disciple you. And so then the first thing I always do now is then begin to give them assignments. And I want to see if they're going to be faithful because somehow I I learned early on in my ministry that people were trying to confuse being discipled by the pastor as automatically growing in holiness. Now they weren't applying anything I was (laughs) challenging. They they wouldn't memorize, they wouldn't read, they wouldn't, but, but they somehow thought, 
through that. And so is that parasite kind of thing. But on the other side, I would say to a man who's like, yeah, I don't think they're a true friend. I think they're just a parasite. I would also ask them, what are you giving to, to them? How are you living a life of sacrifice toward them where, where you're being a blessing to them as well? Because a, a, a genuine friendship, it's, there is going to be that constant give and take. Um, yeah. And that's what makes that such a sweet friendship is yeah. I, I know that you're not just sucking me dry and you're also not my problem child that I'm constantly having to fix. Um, but we actually can talk as friends and laugh and cut each other down, but also correct each other, express hurts, fears, the things you've already talked about. So Yeah. So just a couple warnings on friendship. Um, number one, pace your presence. Uh, Proverbs fifteen seventeen. let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house or he will become weary of you and hate you. Um, so it's that old expression, familiarity breeds contempt, right? It's so true though. It is, yeah. Um, so we should work hard at keeping a sense of freshness with our friendships. When you start getting too close, um, things start getting weird. Um, and since both parties are sinners, it's not gonna take long for somebody's countenance to fall. Um, and so while there, there is something very healthy and right, we know this about letting a person see your weakness, uh, there's a point in which you can wear on them and actually cause them to become weary of you. Um, in fact, most of the time this happens because the relationship's just simply one way. Yeah. Um, but, but that's not a friendship. That's a mentor-mentee relationship. Um, that Now, a mentor-mentee relationship can blossom into a true friendship, um, but that's not yet a friendship. Um, in fact, again, as a younger pastor, you're going to see that. You're going to start out always discipling everyone. And, and then, Lord willing, a few of those will start to blossom into friendships. And then a few, if only one, if you're fortunate, will then grow into a genuine friendship. But it, and you realize, I'm not talking to them anymore as pastor. We're colleagues. We're friends. We're, yeah. And you don't know how it all happened. But it, you're, and all of a sudden, you'll just get this dumb grin on your face because you're like, all right. <laughs> um, and, and then what's heartbreaking is when you watch those friendships later because life is always changing break yeah and you're like man right yeah so so a true friendship though must go both ways yeah um friends do care for others in a deep way but they also let others care for them and this is especially hard and i don't say this in a negative way but this is hard for more alpha type people who right they tend to want to just be the fixer yeah. or whatever um but what's a struggle is to let other people begin to speak into their life. And that's a lot more difficult. If you never let a person in or allow them to help you, then you're not letting them be also a true friend to you. Um, and so, so let them serve you as much as you might serve them. Uh, a friendship by definition is symbiotic. It's, it's a two-way organism. Uh, what's another warning? Oh, this one is huge, and it's uh, choose your friends wisely because they're going to shape you. Um, Proverbs thirteen twenty: He who walks with the wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Um, you've got a quote here by Daniel Estes. Is that how you say? Yeah, it? one of my favorite commentators and scholars on the wisdom literature, actually. Really? Yeah. Why, why don't you read it? This okay, is your sure. guy. I've never even heard of him. Yeah, he's he's really good. Um, so very were, helpful for. And it wasn't a commentary from my library that you got this from. No, because I don't recognize him. No, so. this is mine. All right. Um, he writes here: the wise talking about this proverb 
1320, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. He says here the wise teacher focuses on the negative side of the issue in the warning or what he states in chapter 22, when he says, do not make friends with a hot tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. From the positive perspective, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The influence of a wise friend can sharpen one's discernment, perspective, and insight in ways that one could not achieve by individual effort. Because of the significant effects that friends produce in those who are close to them, to a large degree, the friends we choose determine what kind of people we become. Consequently, we must choose our friends wisely, for in choosing them, we are likely choosing our own future. And that's really good counsel. Yes. Um, and I wish people would listen to that counsel, um, because his point is that it's easy to tell if you're in good company or bad company by simply asking yourself if these friends bring out good things or foolish things. Right. And why, you know, I, I, how many times I told my children yeah. as they're grown up, you're not hanging out with them anymore. I, I still don't get parents who just <laughs> let their kids have any kind of friend they want. And somehow they think, well, yeah, but we only have them over at our house. I'm like, I don't care. Uh, we they, had this little boy who is about five years older than our kids in California. And he was from a dysfunctional home. His mom was a prostitute and kept on leaving the home. Dad would beat on him. It was just a terrible situation. And he would show up at our house and he would want to play with our children, which were daughters. And so we told him, yeah, you can, his name was Brian. And yeah, you can come over, but you always have to play here. And these are the rules. And that poor boy got sent home every single day well before he wanted to because he would break a rule. He would yeah. start swearing or yeah. cussing or something like this. And we'd just say, we never yelled them though, not once. The kid knew what yelling was. He yeah. didn't know what to do with a gentle word. Right, yeah. And yeah. so we, we just, I remember Kim would say, oh, Brian, what's the rule? And he's like, oh. he's yeah, okay, well, like I told you, we're all done for the day, but you're welcome to come back tomorrow. Just remember that you have to watch your language, okay? And he'd go walking away. Just He'd stand out in front of her house sometimes just looking for Lauren for an hour. He has nowhere to go. And it's like, but but we're also like, no, we can't let him no. shape our children. Yeah. It's a nasty thing because we wanted to adopt the kid. Yeah. He actually came to Christ later on. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not through us. I, I want to hope and believe that it came as a part of it. He started coming to Awana at Grace Community Church because it was in our neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, eventually came to Christ. But, oh my goodness, just, it's like you cannot influence our children. So yeah. we our children weren't even believers and yet we were praying for Brian and all yeah. that versus the parent who just says, be, who, hang out, yeah, well, they're just trying to be friends. It's like, no, no, not if you're raising a Christian child, your friend can't be a non-Christian. It, 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 that's another podcast maybe, but sure. they can't be a non-Christian because they're by, by definition an they unwise can't. person yeah. and your child will become unwise. So we, we would always encourage people that what, what we look for when deciding who we want to be influencing ourselves and what, what we want to tell others, how are you deciding who your friends are? Who's that influence? Yeah. And it doesn't take long to see the product of that relationship. Right. In fact, um, as pastors, we talk often 
Um, this is what we look for when deciding who we want to be of influence, for instance, in the church, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so so it, it, you're right. It, it doesn't take long to observe the product of, of certain people's relationships. You know, just look to their friends, look to their their disciples, the pe- you know, the people that surround them. If, if their areas of influence never seem to grow or mature, that's an indication of the state of this person. Um, so, so they might be a nice person, but there's something deeper going on. There's something fundamentally weak in them. Um, their, their friends or disciples um, are a product of them. So, so look to the fruit of what they're producing, and that's going to tell you a, a whole lot about the state of this person. Um, so, for instance, if you're wondering who you, sh- who you should get marriage counseling or parenting counseling um, or relationship advice from, uh, always consider the fruit of a person's labor. Um, never what they say, but what they produce. That's what's most important. Well, and you, you were helpful in that. It's look at the fruit of a man or woman's parenting with grown children, and you can decide whether or not that's a person you really want to seek counsel on how then, as a younger man, right, you're going to parent. It's like you, you did a good job raising heretics right. or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so if they're not producing something that you desire, then why would you seek counsel from them? Um, now, if they have produced something you've desired, work hard at spending time with them. Um, let them have an effect on you. Yeah. Um, and this is basic discipleship, right? Um, just spending time with people. And it's all those gray areas that are now going to start to shape and form uh, your gray areas. Um, but but in that, you're also then coming in with a position of weakness. Yes. You're recognizing this person has something I lack. I'm going to come in and seek to be their friend, but not as an equal, right. but as one to grow from. And then, <clears throat> Lord willing, in that, your relationship will develop into a genuine two-way street, um, if that makes sense. Yes. But But if you come in there and you're not going to admit anything, then you've already... That you're lacking in something, yeah. uh, then you're, or you want to be seen a certain way, or you know, be proven yeah. to be something. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, sum all this up. Yeah. So so what is a friend biblically in the biblical sense? Um, and there's there's so much more that we could say on this. We just pulled some very basic things, but it's not merely someone you enjoy, uh, that you can laugh with, that you can have fun with. Um, it's certainly not someone who's just going to support you no matter what your endeavor desire may be, but it's first and foremost, always someone who makes you into a godly person. In fact, you just said Almost in your by sermon, osmosis. <laughs> well, you said in your sermon like five times, so you were really trying to say it this Sunday, um, that God is not interested in your happiness. But your holiness. But your holiness. Yeah. And, and a true friend is the same. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Jesus, friend of sinners. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Like and share.